Welcome to the Creative Ruralist podcast. My name's Fiona Rennie and I'm a photographer and graphic designer based in the Isle of Lewis in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland. If you haven't already done so, pop back and have a wee listen to the wee 10 minute introductory episode that gives a little bit more background about myself and also sets the scene for this podcast. However, without further ado, let's get stuck in with the first episode. In this premiere episode, I talked to two of my very close friends from my master's cohort, Charlotte Mountford and Brodie Sim. Charlotte is based in Caithness in the North Highlands of Scotland, and she works as a cultural programmer and producer, and is co-director of Lythe Art Centre, which is the UK's most northerly mainland art centre. Charlotte is originally from Manchester, and now lives just outside Wick with her partner and fellow co-director of the art centre, Tom Barnes. Charlotte has worked with a variety of cultural organisations, including Dance North, Highlands Youth Arts Hub, and the Company of Wolves. She founded the Producers Network Northwest and Flow Salford Festival, and has managed the delivery of several UK and international theatre tours and festivals. Brodie lives in the Isle of Tyree in the Inner Hebrides of Scotland, and she's a visual artist, social practitioner, and producer. Brodie is originally from Fife, but now lives in Tyree with her partner Mike and their baby Oshin. Brodie has worked alongside several arts organisations such as the Common Guild in Glasgow as a programme coordinator, and with Screen Argyle on several projects such as Sea Change as an assistant producer, and the BFI Film Academy as a project coordinator. Brodie's also exhibited her visual arts extensively across Scotland and England since attending Edinburgh College of Art in 2009. Now, we all met through this Master's in Arts and Social Practice through the University of the Highlands and Islands, as I keep saying, <laughs> and serendipitously, we were also all matched together as a study group from early on in the programme. I say that because I think I speak for us all when I say that it was an instant click and I'm so thankful for this course in both broadening my circle of friends and my network of like-minded creative people like yourselves who live in other rural places across the country. The themes we discuss in this podcast are ones we're all quite familiar with in the last couple of years on this course, as we use our rurally-based situated practice to guide and develop our education and the language we use to describe not only our own practices as socially engaged artists, but also the language we use to talk about the place and the landscape that we work within. I really hope you guys enjoy this first episode of the Creative Ruralist podcast. Welcome to the podcast, guys. <laughs> I guess I'll start with quite a broad question. How do you think you found your way to being a rural practitioner? Charlotte, I'll start with yourself. Yeah, it's been really interesting because, well, obviously I was born in Manchester. Um, I went to uni in Newcastle and worked in Leicester and Portsmouth and kind of all across the uh, all across England, but mostly in cities. Um, but I think what was interesting for me is like looking back on my work, I think I found that quite a lot of the work I was doing or the projects I was leading were often 
kind of they were like on the periphery so they were maybe like working in places like in Manchester I worked a lot in Salford um, I worked a lot in a place called Ellesmere Port which is just um, like in between Liverpool and Chester and maybe like the communities or artists and groups I was working with you could maybe also call them um, they were maybe sort of on the peripheries as well um, so I think like maybe for me this move to the rural like moving up to the north of Scotland um, didn't feel too like out of place for me. I think it kind of felt like a, maybe a really interesting exploration of of work that I'd already been doing. Um, but it was definitely a big change of the scene <laughs> and a big learning curve as well to have, um, I think just a different, a totally different sense of like place and space and people and community um, is com was completely different to anything I'd ever experienced before, which I really love and completely value as well. So you think those values were kind of in your practice before you moved to a rural setting? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Like I kind of only started to think that in the last few months. And I remembered, I was speaking to my dad the other day and he reminded me of like, I remember when I was at uni, I studied English Lit at uni and um, I've always like loved the Lake District. Um, it, apparently it's where I was conceived. So I don't know if that's like a weird, like we used to go there all the time when I was little, like we've always been into like camping and caravanning and stuff. Um, but when I, yeah, and I used to be obsessed with Dorothy Wordsworth and I like did my dissertation all about her, like I love her. Um, and when my last year of uni, I went to um, Grasmere, which was William and Dorothy Wordsworth's house. And they, they ran like an internship program for like new graduates. And I really wanted to apply. And it's like you spend a year living in Grasmere like in the Lake District. But then I felt like I got talked out of it. Like all my family and everyone was like, nah, Charlotte, like you're a city girl. You can't go and live in the countryside. Like that's not for you. You don't want to do that. And I just kind of believed everyone. And I, looking back on it now, I'm like maybe part of me like always wanted to like make the move to a rural place because I feel really fulfilled by by that. Um, and then, yeah, and then I maybe was exploring that in my work and, and now it's like I finally made the move and it's like I'm where I'm supposed to be maybe, which is kind of interesting. Well, you've had the same experience, Brody, haven't you? I remember chats that we've had about living where we do now and how it, it instantly felt like home. Do you want to maybe give us your experience of becoming a rural practitioner? Yeah, definitely. So like, um, well, as I said, I grew up in sort of like rural Fife, so I did have a sort of rural kind of upbringing, but it definitely wasn't remote. So because we were like all along a little single track lane on a farm cottage, but um, really close to Dundee, really close to St Andrews. I didn't feel like um, particularly remote, um, even though, yeah, it was, was a rural upbringing, a lot of jumping on hay bales and stuff. So I'm, I went to Edinburgh College of Art, um, which was amazing. And then I had a very sort of like city based practice, I guess, just from living in Edinburgh and working with quite big art organisations in Edinburgh and Glasgow and the Central Belt. And then uh, I had come to Tyree first. Um, this is kind of funny story, but when, you know, in sixth year, when a lot of people go to like Magaluf on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> we, a group of us we weren't really Magaluf type people and uh, we just sort of like we're sitting around my mum's kitchen table one day and we just got a map of Scotland out and she was just like what about there and put her finger on Tyree and we were like okay um, so we had this quite hilarious 
uh, group holiday here and uh, and then it was just like I just had this like really weird kind of experience of connection to it and um, yeah, really felt I don't know I don't know what it is I still can't describe it um, but yeah kept coming back and then eventually um, came and moved out here in the summers and worked at the windsurfing school and made some of my best friends here and just felt whenever I was away from here I did just didn't feel like I was at home anymore um so that when I met somebody in the pub um we kind of were trying to think of where we wanted to call home and it felt like here was just the only place really it's like the the thing I feel I always describe it as like one of the decisions I feel most confident about in my life is moving here because it just feels so uh normal and yeah it's it's very much just a part of me now. And my mum moved here too. So it's just like a whole family shebang now. Um, but uh, but yeah, but thinking back, like on my kind of artwork, my, my sculpture and my visual work, um, it was always kind of to do with place. I wasn't really aware of it at the time, but it was a lot of looking at place and our connection to yeah. place and... So it's really interesting being thinking back about my work at art school and seeing how it's related to kind of my move to here and just it must be something inside of me don't know what it is but yeah so that's me it's really interesting because it's quite two two different experiences like your move charlotte was quite motivated by your work so you moved there to to, to be part of life art center didn't you and brody you yours was a kind of almost a, a life move to choose to live in Tyree and your your work was inspired by place anyway but not necessarily that place um do you think as as rural practitioners your practices are are situated within your rural context or or inspired by them in any way um I can go back to you Charlotte yeah definitely for me I think it's really interesting hearing Brody speak because I can definitely relate to that like looking back on all my work it's like it was so situated in a place and like really specific to that that place you know the landscapes the waterways of that place where I was working which is really interesting now to look back on it it's quite strange um and yeah but I think being rural I don't know for me like we always say like with Life Arts Centre that we're trying to challenge ideas of what it means to be rural because I think people have a lot yeah. of misconceptions about especially it's like my background's in like theatre and performance and Tom's who's my co my partner and my co-director at the Arts Centre as well he is as well he runs a touring theatre company and like we've both been part of different rural touring schemes and I really distinctly remember going to a Cheshire rural touring meeting because I worked at a venue that was on that programme and um some of the promoters had come from their village halls and they were all sat in this meeting and one lady stood up and said um stop patronizing us <laughs> and I think she was really what she was trying to get her point what she was trying to say is don't assume that because we're like a village hall and we're rural we all like the same sort of work that we're only interested in like Agatha Christie adaptations that we're only interested in like yeah. that we're only interested in like seeing rural stories as well you know, some of the best-selling shows that we've had on at the Arts Centre have been, like, contemporary feminist circus, <laughs> which I think people think, oh, I wouldn't have thought that would work in a rural context, but it really does. And I think that's maybe what we mean when we say we want to challenge the idea of rural. And I also really challenge the idea that 
to be rural is like this one homogenous experience because I think like absolutely like we've spoke about it loads like my experience of being in like rural Caithness is completely different to your guys's experience of being on islands as well and mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it is definitely different to be an urban. <laughs> so I think it's like a balance of that. And yourself too, Brody. Is it? Do you have any response to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting the idea of a situated practice. I think I'm really just figuring that out now. Um, it's something that I think I've not considered up until being here. And I don't know whether that's because because I'm here and it is rural and remote, this is like what we've spoken about a lot as well, like whether that makes it really difficult, like living in a really small, tight-knit island community, can you have a practice that isn't situated um, Mm. and connected to the community and the land around you? Like, is it possible to do it without thinking about that? I'm not sure it would be, but but yes, it's, it's really a new... I guess I've just I just never thought about it. I never thought about my practice being situated when I was in a studio in Edinburgh Sculpture Workshop, for example. Just didn't feel like something that I would talk about. So it's kind of an interesting thing to come to. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's really hard to know. Does the practice come out of the situation, or how does it affect one another? Yeah, that's a really good question. Absolutely, and it's inspired me to think of the way you, all three of us talk about being rural and being remote is it's not the same it's it's a slightly different experience um but yet i do believe and i do think that the the collective rural experience that it is quite universal whether you're in rural indonesia or in rural australia or rural scotland there's aspects of that you know community life and cultural life and um you know art practice that are are universal um I know there's a bit of debate over um the, the the perceptions of what being rural and being remote is. Um and I know that's that's down to the individuals a lot of the time, but being rural to me is purely to do with the population numbers. You know, it's quoted somewhere um that being rural's having no urban settlements of over 100,000 people within uh your locale. So that puts us all as being rural, <laughs> you know, anywhere outside of Glasgow or Edinburgh, um, maybe even Inverness is quite, it makes us rural. Um, whereas, you know, being remote means far from the main centres of population to me, or being far away or distant or far removed. Those are all the words that are kind of connected with being remote. And I, I object to that. I don't know how you guys feel. I know in your... Um, on your website, Charlotte, you describe yourself as a rural practitioner and Brody, you describe yourself as a rural and remote, <laughs> living on a rural and remote island. So um, I guess I guess it's different to everyone. And I guess Tyree is that little bit further away from the mainland than, than my island is even and Lewis. But what do we think those feelings are towards the perceptions of, of being remote artists or rural artists I, I just wonder where those those how you feel about those words I guess is the simplest way I can put it yeah I think I'm starting to realize that they're really political terms um, and it's interesting you mentioned like other countries um like this time last year I was in Norway in the Lofoten Islands which are like in 
quite well it feels really far north for me but for Norway it's only like halfway up Norway I think <laughs> it was in the Arctic Circle um, but I think so. For, I think for us, the language we used to describe that was like, oh, rural northern Norway, which was like why we felt connected to it. But being there, and particularly being there in like uh, in a theatre there, um, felt completely different. And I don't know if anybody that lived in the Lofoten Islands would describe themselves as being rural or remote. Um, and I think that's interesting because Norway have practiced policies of decentralization for a really long time. Um, so they have really great services across all of across all of Norway, really great access to arts and culture for people across all of Norway um, and people make an effort like you know, they'll, they'll hold national conferences like in the really far north, really south of Norway. They're not always happening in Oslo. Um, and that's been a big move, I think, since the 1980s. Um, so that felt really interesting to me and it kind of has made me want to like question a bit more, actually, like why we um sometimes maybe accept this terminology and maybe we should be challenging it a little bit more and using it to maybe demand better from our peers and colleagues like in the central belt um to get them to make i don't know to understand it a bit differently um i don't know that's a bit of a tangent <laughs> no no absolutely i think a lot of this definition of being rural and remote has been put on us <laughs> from you know the tourism board from you know the scottish government from you know even beyond that historically there's aspects of that that we do object to but there's also a huge population of artists and practitioners that that buy into that and use that as a selling point and i don't i don't think one or the other is right or wrong but we should challenge why we're using that language <laughs> you know so I'm not dismissing your uh, just definition of your practice, Brody, but I'm just interested how you feel um, about that. Because you do describe yourself as an islander based as in a remote and rural part of Scotland. I think it's really interesting, the whole remote thing, because I think I totally, totally agree with that notion that we've spoken about before of like where you are can be a centre. You know, it yeah. doesn't yeah. just because it's not in a named centre or centralized it can be a center as well but um i think the experience is just so different for everyone everyone's kind of remoteness or ruralness is just so different like on tyree compared to you fiona and lewis i mean i think it's a bit to do with that feeling of access to infrastructure and services you know we absolutely a cinema we don't have a takeaway we don't have a swimming pool we don't have a tesco we don't have a hospital so it's kind of like all those things you have to travel to and i think that's what makes it feel maybe more remote here that's what in the in that scottish government definition thing i think tidy's like very remote rural or something yeah. it's like yeah. extremely seriously remote rural because there's like 650 people and um and nothing apart from a co-op and a GP practice but um but I think so I think it does feel more remote here to me and I and I'm kind of comfortable with the word remote I think although it is definitely political and I think it's interesting how we use it like sometimes we use it and we want it and it's useful for what we're doing and can put it in funding applications and yeah (laughs) like it can be used as a sort of like powerful word uh, powerful and political word um but equally it's like we don't want anyone else like using it as a way of describing us because it doesn't mean that we're not as good at what we do so nobody else can take that away from us but we can use it when we want to (laughs) as a way of like um 
I don't know if that sounds really bad. But um... No, it totally it totally makes sense, Brody, because it's all it is about perceptions and it's like for me, the reason I, I think, object to it in a certain extent is that people use it to pigeonhole us <laughs> in terms of what what is able to be produced from there and it, it narrows down the um the scope of what could come out of a place like this and the type of work and the quality of the work that could come out of a, a place that's remote and rural so it, it's a definitely a tricky one and there's not it's not something we're going to have an answer to today <laughs> it's it's something that's going to be constantly discussed but it's it's one of the main reasons that I wanted to start this podcast was to have these conversations with people who are living and working in these rural areas and, and areas that are perceived as rural and remote and you know have these conversations out there so that other people can get a more accurate perception from out with and within of these places um i don't know if that made sense <laughs> interesting hearing you speak starla about the decentralization in norway and like just made me think oh well how different would it feel here if you know we did have touring theater companies coming to the community hall and if we had i don't know just things coming to us rather than us going to things how different would it feel and would it would it feel less remote or um think as like a a practice that our government or and maybe that's what they're doing i mean the national islands plan i don't know if you had them come to lewis fiona but they did come here and do a big consultation and they're writing a bill and stuff so we'll see what happens yes i just feel like um there's so many important conversations that we've had in the last year that i i'd wish i'd been recording the whole time you know it's like it's like there's been um some really good debates about you know how we perceive ourselves even it's like are we narrowing the the, what we can do because we've labeled ourselves a certain way and does that then because of years of you know using the sort of terminology does that then color how other people are seeing us from out with it's a a vicious circle or a catch-22 in a certain way isn't it it's really (laughs) it's really interesting it was what um, Elaine was talking about the other day with the whole like being pigeonholed as a Hebridean artist and mm-hmm. yeah um. it's a weird thing isn't it because it is it is different it's a different place to be making work you know it's it's a different environment and you have I think it's hard to not acknowledge it but also you don't want it to be used to pigeonhole you but that's what I mean about it being like we can say it but nobody else can use it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's maybe like something to do with the language and how we how language changes and how we maybe need to start describing ourselves with with different words that promote the same sort of uniqueness and the same sort of sense of place and sense of community that don't or or change or kind of you know build on these perceptions of being rural rather than rather than the like maybe negative or derogatory perceptions that there are of them just now and I don't know how we do that I don't know if it's just awareness or or having conversations like this with other people I think it's really interesting um the conversations that have been had since lockdown and since we've all had to be isolated within our own spaces how actually we here in Lewis anyway and I don't I don't know how you guys feel but we feel more connected to you know the rest of the population 
But uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think like um, the perception thing, I think it is changing. You know, there's that latest kind of white chapel book is called The Rural. There's, you know, noises of a sort of rural arts network being set up in Scotland. Um, But I think lockdown has been this kind of amazing thing in a way for rurally based creative practitioners because all of a sudden we can be part of the conversations that you could only be part of before if you were in basically Glasgow or Edinburgh so so many events and and it's not even just Glasgow and Edinburgh actually it's like events in Ireland events in London events in Finland events everywhere and to be able to our voices to then be kind of part of those conversations is really changed the way we can work and just feel connected and part of a kind of wider cultural conversation which is really important and i really hope more centralized areas of production or organizations are are going to take on board that actually there are a lot of really valuable contributions being made from out with a city and that they might continue in some way like obviously i don't want all the events for the rest of time to take place on Zoom. But I think there's certainly a case to be made for events to be also live streamed on Zoom and for people to take part in the conversation. Absolutely. And I think I totally agree. I don't think that we should have all events forever being on Zoom, but I definitely think this should be become the standard to be inclusive rather than centralizing i think centralizing has got a large part to answer for it because there's loads of things like you were saying brody that they're not functionally accessible to to folks like us to get to and and be involved in so to have the option of being involved um online and to, to enforce that that becomes part of the norm i think it'd be really really important in terms of changing the narrative and, cha- and 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 including us as part of that narrative going forward you know i think like all these things we were told previously like were impossible i remember speaking to like, it's quite interesting like just before lockdown speaking to a big <clears throat> scottish organization about can you not host some of this conference online because you know for us to come down it's like even for you know an afternoon of meetings that's like three days out of the office basically and like the cost of that, but also the environmental cost of that is, you know, is really high. And we were told like, it's impossible, but it's not. We, what this lockdown has proved is that things that we previously thought were impossible aren't. There's totally different ways of working yeah, yeah. and new ways of working um, that are much more sustainable, inclusive, and yeah, great, good, better for everyone, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like, this is obviously, this is actually on Tyree lockdown has totally transformed local politics here because before the community council would meet like in the evening there maybe be like five six people attend a meeting and then the councillors just discussing stuff and since they've moved on zoom i think they have like over 60 people in attendance they've got four new councillors two of whom are women and two who are uh, women under 30 like it's just totally the engagement in in the community council has been totally transformed and that's just because of being on zoom and because it means that you know if you're at home with kids in the evening you can you can still attend you know a, a zoom meeting and or if yeah. you aren't able to get out for whatever reason you can still attend and it's just like it's kind of amazing i think somebody picked up on it before you mentioned that sort of 
cultural awareness as well and that kind of being connected it's it's going back a little a little step but i think by by opening up this accessibility we're also you know being able to share this story to a broader audience as well and because we're now able to be part of these conversations people are also now hearing these conversations and understanding our perspective now we're having first-hand voices being part of the active conversation in these places and I think yeah absolutely we, we don't want to lose that <laughs> definitely like the um rural or remote kind of practitioner voices are being actively part of those conversations like being part of craft scotland discussions or um you know uh, Scottish Contemporary Art Network discussions like these yeah. our, our voices are being part of those now and that's so important and I hope that those kind of organisations will have seen the value in that um, I think like for work as well I think it would be really inspiring to see some of our national organisations in Scotland maybe start to think about like their, you know, their staff teams or like where their curators where their producers are based and what it would mean for them to have you know, because we can see now that remote working is possible. And like, what would it mean to have a national organisation that was truly national, like not just based in Glasgow and Edinburgh, that had, you know, bases and staff and workers kind of all over Scotland. I think that would be so enriching for our like national cultural scene. I think that would be fantastic. That's such, imagine that, like if, if, you know, to work at national galleries or whatever, you you could be based anywhere because they're working from home anyway just now. That would be so yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Yeah, that, that would be such a good thing to come out of these conversations is that I even hope that some of these organisations will be able to, to, to hear some of these conversations that we're, we're going to be having over the next few months with these people um, on this podcast and hear that that's something that people really want and that um, it reinforces that perspective as well and... and, and yeah, I'm optimistic that people will <laughs> people will follow suit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we picked up a wee bit there about the, the cultural and cultural awareness. Do you think that being rural, there's a greater awareness of the cultural background of a place? Yeah, um, I think... Um, so um, I don't come from, like, a maker perspective, which is really interesting, because I think... Um, as like an outsider to a making process, I can definitely see um, sometimes, especially in case this is uh, maybe like an aesthetic of the work that gets created here, which feels really tied to the landscape, which for us is very, maybe like you guys, very flat, very windswept, um, very coastal. Um, and that is kind of reflected, which um, feels really interesting for me and really nice. And I like to see these different interpretations of that. Um, I think in terms of cultural like awareness of what like what we do as an art center that is um you know the kind of the cultural organization for the county like what we do um I'm always really surprised by like what's come before I don't think there's like an active archive of cultural happenings maybe in case this and I kind of stumble across like newspaper articles from like the early 2000s about these amazing like festivals or exhibitions and events that happened that like no one's told us about um and it's quite interesting i think like people here are quite modest about their cultural production um but then sure. i think there's much like far-reaching um like cultural history that people are really interested in so like at the art center we connect a lot of our work like the kind of when we're presenting like contemporary um exhibitions or performances 
Um, we try to connect that a lot with like our cultural heritage and maybe some of that kind of intangible heritage as well, because that for us feels like a real hook. And that's often how we can get people interested mm. um, that might not come. They might not come to a like contemporary audiovisual installation exhibition, but they'll come to see kind of archive moving image of, um, you know, of some of, you know, times gone past kind of thing. And that feels for us like a really important combination to have. Um, to, to kind of just acknowledge that and make sure that that's constantly in dialogue um, with the work that we're doing. It feels that it feels like important for us, I think, to present work in that cultural context, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing to, you know, it, it doesn't have to be about the place to be inspired by the place and that sort of stuff. That's a really, yeah, interesting perspective. Brody, do you have anything to add to that? I guess, like, in my own practice, it's maybe been kind of more focused on the community aspect of here sure. so like more of a human aspect um as well as like being an island and what that means like geographically and I'm trying to think of other things that I've been involved with like sea change for example which was a kind of professional development lab for women who work in the film industry and a film festival kind of looking at uh, or celebrating women filmmakers and that really wasn't necessarily connected to like the history of Tyree so much but Tyree is was a huge part of that like it could only have happened here if that makes yeah, sense yeah. Yeah. it was really situated in terms of um, Tyree needed to be the place because it needed space and kind of light and we used the kind of environmental aspects of Tyree to create a space for those conversations mm. and we were swimming every morning and th those sorts of things and trying to think of how it was connected to the land um, and yeah and I'm just sort of thinking about like We've, we run a sort of um, community cinema as well um, I'm on the committee for that and we definitely do sort of like try and choose films that kind of are in some way related to maybe the experience of being here um, and yeah. so it could be like films that are linked to the sea or linked to being rural or and we try and kind of get people involved with making mini little films to screen before the film so um like whiskey galore for example we screened yeah. we made a Tyree version with Tyree gin beforehand <laughs> so, Lovely. so yeah it's kind of like connecting it to who's here and what we do and how we live yeah. I guess but I think that's it's also important to say that like having a focus on the local and having a situated practice doesn't mean that we shut down like intercultural dialogues on a national and international mm. scale as well. I think if anything, it makes us more open to that because we're always trying to find these connections. So like, you know, we welcome like, you know, drummers from Uganda or you know, <laughs> yeah. companies from Norway, like because we can find those connections. I think maybe that's something that we may be like in a, being in a rural context, like you're forced to do that more. You have to find the connections um, to, to explore and find those, you know, those points those Absolutely. points that you want to interrogate and maybe that's that's something that is quite particular to a rural practice possibly. I think Hebkel is a prime example of that. I think my experience in Hebkel, the Hebridean Celtic Music Festival here in Stornoway, um, it started as a really small thing for 
local people using local artists and local musicians and now you know it's still situated in a rural context but we have people from all over the world traveling to perform at it and you know really interesting people that are working in in the same context you know they pride themselves in promoting (laughs) their their voices as here from um, a small rural context but within a a global um from a global perspective do you think that we're inherently more socially engaged um as art practitioners by being rural I think yeah for me I would say definitely um Brody can probably speak to this question a lot better because she's done a lot of research on this (laughs) but I think like um I don't see how it would be possible to have a practice here that wasn't socially engaged and I mean that from like an artist from a making perspective but also like a producer and programmer um I don't I can't imagine like for me you know curating the program at Life Arts Centre that if I didn't do that in like a socially engaged way then nobody would come <laughs> That's yeah. kind of, I think what I'm thinking about that maybe Absolutely. in a way that like in a city you have maybe there's more people there's a bigger pool of people to choose from so you know that there'll always be someone that will come um but maybe here I'm constantly thinking a bit more about like what are those you know what are the hooks what's the connection what's the you know what's the context how can we do that um and I think that's for me it's the only way to be successful here um and everything I just feel as well like since moving here my life is more socially engaged <laughs> like everything about you know what I do and like you know Brody's mentioned being on committees being on boards and like I'm on I think I'm on like three boards now like local you know, charities or projects and things and um, and we're just much more connected. Like I know so many people of like, uh, I, I, yeah, I've got a much broader range of like friends and social circles now. It's not just like millennial, like under 30 <laughs> like, yeah, people anymore. You know, now I'm friends with like 80 year old women and the three year old little boys. Like, that's kind of yeah. my social circle. Everything about life is more socially engaged here, which I love. I think that's really fulfilling. I don't know, Brody, you probably have much more in-depth thoughts on that. I can't say it as well as you. Um, But um, no, I totally agree with that. I think that's a huge part of it, what you just touched on at the end, is that, um, you know, the people you mix with here are not all like you. They're in the city, you would just probably hang around with, like, creative people roughly the same age as you, kind of with the same interests as you, in the same kind of from the same background probably same kind of political kind of views and here you're just you know you've kind of well certainly on Tyree there's 650 people to kind of choose from and so you kind of end up having like best friends who are like in their kind of 80s and just do you know I don't know it's just kind of um, a totally different experience and I think um We've spoken about this before, but I think I certainly feel like, well, I agree with Charlotte. Like, I, I, I think it would be impossible to be here for me and make work that hasn't considered kind of my context, um, whether that be the community or some other aspect of of here. Um, so I think I think I would really struggle not to make so socially I'm not sure socially engaged but like I would really struggle not to 
make work that hasn't kind of considered my social context here um but we've spoken about this before as well as this like kind of idea of a kind of sense of responsibility which charlotte's touched on as well like you kind of you feel like you have to be a bit more act of an active member for your community so committees being um part of conversations going to to community council meetings i mean i would never have gone to a council meeting probably in edinburgh yeah, <laughs> but um, but like being part of all those conversations and feeling like you have a bit of a responsibility to look after the place that you're in and and the people around you as well, um, because it's kind of a collective effort. It's a bit like yeah, um, you know, everyone does their bit and everyone's got a role to play, and um, and being an artist within that is also a really important role, you know, um. Or, or or a creative in some way um because we're just bringing a whole a whole other thing to the conversation yeah i think it is more inherently socially engaged basically and i think the role that kind of um creative people and and organizations have in a rural place is is a bit different it's kind of like if there is only a co-op and a gp practice and a garage for example then what role does like an art center have within that you know, do they have a bit more of a civic duty than they would if they were in a big city where they don't need to be as useful, maybe? Yeah. Um, but it is because sorry, sorry, Charlotte, I'm gonna go. No, no, go on, Brody, you go, you go. I was just gonna say, like, it's not that there aren't people who like I I know there must be and there are like people who are makers or and they have a very kind of solitary practice with sure. like, like rural places and I don't think so it's not that um but I think what the key is that their lives will still be more socially engaged by living in a rural place even yeah. if it's not inherently linked to their creative output if that makes sense which I guess in turn I guess in turn that that will have an effect on their practice whether they're aware of it or not there might be a subconscious um you know contextualizing there of 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 a situated practice whether they're whether they're aware of it or not it it will be inspired by being more socially engaged in their in their private lives as opposed to their professional life so i guess it's all connected some way do you have any response to that charlotte as well i heard you jumping in there I think it's exactly what I was going to say that um, I think, you know, there are definitely like artists and creators who have that practice. Um, and I think um, it's interesting, Brody mentioned that like responsibility as an arts organisation, because that's definitely something we've been interrogating, especially over the, like over this year, like sure. what that means to be an arts organisation like now and in Caithness or in a rural context. Um, and I think, yeah, it's a sense of responsibility. And I think, you know we get approached by a lot of artists who want to come and do like residencies or spend time here and i think just, just to pick up another thing brody said about um sea change like it could only have happened in tyree and yeah. i think like that's the kind of work we're interested in like in supporting in commissioning is like it needs to be work that can happen here basically like what you know it can only be created here and it needs to be relevant um, and also that as rural places and rural communities we are not here for you to come and live out, out your dream of what a rural ideal is. <laughs> I think yeah. like we also need to like challenge that a bit sometimes. Just, I think 
but I think we all get pissed off when it's like, you know, you have artists from the city, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to the island and it's so remote and I'm going to take pictures of the cliffs and how remote and abandoned it is. And that, that's really frustrating yeah. for us because we, we see that land differently. We have a different way of seeing it, yeah. um, which I'm sure your dad can speak very well to you, Fiona. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think, like, we also, like, need to, I think, challenge that a little bit while still embracing um, what it means to have, like, to have a role or practice. Does, does that make sense? I feel like that was a real blab. No, absolutely. It definitely makes sense. And it's it summarised a lot of what we've been talking about in this last kind of 45 minutes. It's just, it, it, it's, it is a different perspective from from within, I think. I from, from my perspective, it definitely is a different perspective that you have when you're living and working in a place than when you're um, you're living elsewhere and look, coming into a place and creating work in that same place. You know, I, I, I've had really interesting conversations with folk I went to uni with about, you know, oh, wow, it must be so beautiful to photograph up in Lewis and it must be so, you know, picturesque and this and that. It's like, well, it, it is, I guess, but that's not that's not the context of the work. And I think the perceptions, it's, it's about having these conversations and the language to talk about it um that that do challenge these perceptions and that's that's how we'll make progress so and i think that that has a really important like social impact as well because i think if people start seeing rural areas differently and not as either empty wastelands or playgrounds for rich people people start seeing them as really like productive useful areas of our global society then that can only have a positive impact on things like climate change and social justice like I think that's really important that's really vital and I think that goes back to um something I mentioned earlier on about who's created this narrative because I think a lot of where those people have come from is because for years and years and years our tourism they only post pictures of picturesque landscapes that are empty of people and pictures of trees and pictures of you know highland cows and empty roads and it's like well, how how are people supposed to know that there's alive communities, you know, based in these areas? If if all they're being told is about the the, the empty, barren landscapes and the 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 you know miles and miles of moorland with nobody there but yourself and your tranquility and you know it, it it's it's partly it's our selling point, but it's also our to our to our own demise to a certain extent. Because because how how are how are people supposed to know if they've never been that there's, you know, hardworking, vibrant people in communities and yeah, it's it's tricky. But I think I think you picked it up on it as well, Brody. I think it is changing. Um, so it's just I guess keeping that conversation going. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, the fact that we've all spoken about having, like, life being, living in a kind of rural context means that you um, kind of live a more socially engaged life, i.e. you take more responsibility for things around you and you are committed and you, um, you're kind of, you're involved in having these conversations um that are sustainable and nourishing and like looking looking forwards and taking care of your environment and the people around you everyone needs to learn that way of life because that's the way like make sure that we still have a a planet to live on and um Mm -hmm. and that we're looking after each other 
you know, I think actually the way that we function in a rural place, a lot uh, other people could learn from that as well. Um, you know, so it's sort of like if this kind of ruralism can be practiced by everyone, and then we'd be potentially in a better place all around. Yeah. So that again goes back to like um, what Charlotte said. You know, if you if you can have people um, who are based in more rural locations working in organisations or working in uh, governments, for example, or on boards yeah. of um, kind of city organisations, then do these sort of ways of approach start filtering through into everywhere? Um, yeah. Not that they don't exist in cities as well. Voices from the communities that are being represented coming from the communities will give a more accurate <laughs> representation within government and within these large organisations that have been centralised and, and hopefully be a more active part of that conversation because of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, but not just sticking up for the places that they're about, but also the approach that you take by living yeah. on an island yeah. or in a rural place being adopted in a in a, another place as well yeah. that's, that's really really exciting. lovely note to finish on i think is just that ruralism as globalism i love it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant i'm gonna just finish off um thanking you both for your time this afternoon and um thank you very much and i i hope to see you soon it's a pleasure thank you thank you it's been great and i love that you thought we were only going to talk for half an hour that was never Thank you for listening, folks. I hope you enjoyed this first conversation of many, I hope, on the themes of rurality and social art practice. As you'll have heard in the podcast, I'd love for you to get involved in these discussions. I have a Twitter profile dedicated to this podcast, at TRuralist, so feel free to jump on there or email me on fiona at stratakcreative.co.uk. See the podcast description for spelling. To let me know your thoughts or your feedback on the themes we've discussed in the last 40 minutes. There are six episodes in this series and episodes will be published weekly on Monday evenings so tune in next week for episode two. Finally I'd like to thank Jane Hepburn Macmillan for allowing me to use this composition of hers as my theme music. This piece is called Creative Places.